It's nice. Great to be here. Did you notice the, my profile picture on the, on the screen? Did you notice what, what shirt I'm wearing? Where is it? Where is it? Put it up there. Put it up there. Put it up there. <laughs> so there you go. I do wear that a lot, actually. It's a, sort of, yeah, it's a different sort of color. It's like the, so you can tell that I'm wearing my Revived Church Hesperia T-shirt. And um, I got another one in my, in my cabin, so thank you for that. So it is good to be, be with you. Um, as uh, Matt said, I am I'm Billy. I'm from the UK. Um, I'm not really English. I was born in I was born in England, but my mother is English. My father was Irish, and then we spent most of our lives in Scotland. So um, uh, I I did my DNA, and basically I'm 38% Scottish, 34% Irish, um, a little bit of Welsh, uh, a little bit of English, and uh, Swedish. So I think the Swedish bit um, in the UK we were invaded in 1066 by the French. But they were, they were people who had come from Scandinavia. They were the Vikings. And they moved down to northern France and then, then invaded England. And so that's probably where my Swedish comes from. And so I've got a little bit of that, that in me. So I, I like to describe myself as, as um, the Celtic fringe. <laughs> so we have England in the middle and then they're surrounded by Scotland, Ireland, and Wales. And that's like the Celtic fringe. They're all the Celtic nations. So. So I'm from the UK. I feel a bit like the Apostle Paul, you know, who said, I became all things to all men. You know, he was, he, he was born in a Roman city. His, his, uh, his father was a Greek. And so he had, he had a mixture of backgrounds. So I find that I can go anywhere in the UK and connect and relate because I have some heritage in that place. And so, um, and so maybe it's part of why God chose me to do what he's called me, called me to do. So... Uh, I've just been down in uh, Arkansas, and um, it was 90 plus degrees down there, so it was it was quite different coming up here. The first couple of days were fine, but then it's been a bit wet, wet and cold since then. But uh, it feels more like home, you know. England, England is cold and wet all the time, you know. Summer, winter, fall, spring, it's the same. It's the same all year round, and so I feel I feel very much uh, at home. Except your roads are very long and very straight. That would be the only the only difference, you know. We sort of zigzag through mountains and hills and whatever else, but to go for such a long period of time is is, is a bit strange. Anyway, so I I, uh, I I thought I'd just give you a little bit of uh, background from from me. Um, I I was brought up, as I say, uh, in uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland. My father was a Baptist minister, uh, a pastor, and I vowed I would never ever <laughs> follow in his footsteps. So being brought up a, a Baptist, as, as you probably some of you know, it's quite conservative. You know, um, they, they um, love the word, uh, but that's about it. Um, you know, the, the, I, and I, as I was growing up, I, I couldn't quite work out how normal, happy, lively people outside of church became these solemn, somber people with long faces in church. And I thought, if, if the gospel is good news, why do you look like that in church? No happiness, no joy. They would sing about joy, but joy was so deep in their heart, you couldn't see it. So that was my background. And, um, but my, my parents were sold out um, Holy Spirit people, but they just found themselves in that environment. 
And, it, and, I, and I watched how it, it crushed the life out of them. So I, as I left home about uh, 17, I, I uh, started to work. I, I didn't go to college. And um, I began to explore other churches that had a bit more life in them. And I can remember like, being really afraid because not only was our church um, non-charismatic, it was anti-charismatic. <laughs> So I had heard stories that you know, when people speak in tongues, you know, what they're doing is they're cursing God in Chinese. <laughs> because a Chinese person was in the meeting and heard them. So I was petrified. So I, I, I remember going to this Pentecostal meeting and um, everything's going on around me and I am like, I'm quaking in my boots thinking what on earth is going on? But there was something attracted me. Yeah. I saw evidence of life and the joy of the Holy Spirit in the meeting as much as outside of the meeting. But I was completely freaked out. Uh, and um, I, I, I then moved to, moved to Southampton, where I now live, and I went along to the church that I uh, now lead, uh, and um, same things were going on. This was a charismatic new church, began in the, in, in the, in the mid-70s. And again, I'm looking around, and people are speaking in tongues, and they're dancing in church and raising their hands, and I'm like, Something attracted me, but I was petrified of what I was seeing. So I was invited back to a home group, which I never knew what a home group was until this point. So I went back to this home group, and there's a bunch of young people in a room. They got the guitar out, and they're starting to worship, and they're lifting their arms and singing in tongues. And I'm like, my head is down like this. What is going on? And then someone said... Um, I believe there's someone in the room who's got a problem with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm there going, how do they know that? I was the only one who was like, you know, carrying over. So, so they said, let's, let's pray for you. I said, I've got a problem. I said, I, I, I've got a problem with this whole thing. It's just like weird to me. And so they laid their hands on me, and, uh, and nothing happened. And so I thought, oh, so it's, it's all a load of rubbish. So, um, but they prophesied, and I'd never heard a prophecy before. And they said, you are going to be a leader in this church. And I'm like, I'm not coming back to this church. <laughs> never might become a leader in this church. So the next day, I'm, I'm, um, I'm sat in my car. And, um, and I, I just began to hum one of the songs that I'd heard at the church on the Sunday. And as I'm humming this, this tune, all I can say is that the presence of the Holy Spirit filled the car. And then this presence like invaded the deepest part of my being. And it's like it says in the scriptures, from my innermost being, this thing began to rise up and joy began to fill my heart and I began to sing in a language I'd never learned. And I'm like singing in tongues and suddenly in that moment, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. In that moment, everything I'd learned as a good Baptist went from my head to my heart. I mean, I knew Jesus died. I knew the story but it didn't mean anything to me. And suddenly it meant everything to me. And I knew for a fact that God in heaven loved me, that he sent his son to die for me. All of my sins had been forgiven. I was clean and free and pure and holy because he had made me so. In a moment, in a split second, by revelation. That's where I began. And then the next week, 
I'm up in my flat above, um, in my apartment, um, above my, my, um, my workplace, and, th- and I'm looking out over our, our town square, and all the, these young people looking lost, and I began to weep for them, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I've called you to be an apostle wow. to these people. Yeah. And I didn't know what an apostle was. <laughs> it's taken me 40 years to work it out. You know, and so I finally stepped into that role, but it's taken me a, taken me a long time. But, but that was the beginning of my, of my journey. I, I, I needed that encounter with the Holy Spirit to empower me, to enable me to become all that God had called me to become and called me to be. It's a bit like in, in the book of Acts, you know, the, the early church, were the, they'd been discipled by Jesus, you know, they, they had learned a lot of stuff, but here they were awaiting, and then the Spirit comes, and boom! The church is birthed, and they're filled with boldness and with power, and they have a confidence that they didn't have minutes before. And they rushed into the streets and began to proclaim the good news and plant churches and make disciples and heal the sick. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had taken hold of them. And that's my experience. That's many of your experiences as well. Something dramatically happens when we have that sense of encounter uh, with the Holy Spirit. So back in those early days, as I was grappling with trying to work out uh, what, what church was about and what faith was about, um, I, 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 I loved God, but I couldn't stand the church. And uh, I, I, I met a pastor from um, the Apostolic Church, which is a Pentecostal stream in the UK. I'm not quite sure whether it's, it's over here or not, but... Um, and he had written a book on the book of Ephesians. It was all about the church and Paul's vision of the church and how it was to be a place of, of glory and a place of life and a place of joy. And I had not seen that, but I saw it in this book of Ephesians that he had written, and I just devoured it. And I suppose Ephesians has become my favorite book for that reason. Way back then, it's, it's, it's what touched me, what inspired me. And, and um, I, I want to share with you a couple of verses that, if you like, have become my life message. You know, what it is that I'm, I'm all about. Uh, and so here we are, uh, turning your Bible, if you have with you, to Ephesians 3, or open your phones or your apps on your iPads or whatever it is we do these days. Yeah. There we go. No Facebook, Sarah. <laughs> she's, she's posting everything, isn't she, you know. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 7. Paul said, I, I became a, go- a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace to me, given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. The administration is how something is going to be, be worked out which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. For his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here is Paul, who, who, had, who knew he'd become a servant of this good news. And I suppose to me, as I said, I never, ever wanted to become a, a pastor. It was not it was the furthest thing from my mind. But when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, everything changed. 
and I began to have a, a relationship with God that wasn't just through my parents, but it was, it was me, me and God. And um, I was reading my, my Bible. I was doing a plan in those days. It was like two, two chapters of the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. And I remember reading the same verse in three places. It was in Kings and Chronicles in the book of Acts. And the verse said something like, um, uh, David had it on his heart to build a house for the Lord, but it was Solomon, his son, who built the house. I read the same verse in, in Chronicles and Kings and in the book of Acts. That's where it appears. And, and I felt God speaking to me and saying, Billy, your dad, like David, has done many great things. He primarily was, was and is an evangelist. But I've called you, as, like Solomon, to do something different. You're called to build me a house. It's not about building for you, Billy, which is different to what your father did. So I suddenly saw, actually, I don't have to be like him, but I can actually find a, a sense of purpose and calling that's unique to me. And so that was my, my sense of being called by God into church leadership, uh, and it became a very different sort of role uh, to, uh, to what my father did. He, he ended up becoming an, an itinerant evangelist and and just seeing people saved all the time. And, but, but for me, it was about the house. It was about the local church. It was about building something, more of an apostolic role that God had called me to. And so, so it's this, these two verses here have become, if you like, my, my life message, verses 10 and 11, where Paul says, this is how God is going to fulfill his purpose. Through the church, God's manifold wisdom is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first thing I, I see in those verses is this, that God had an eternal plan, an eternal purpose. It started way before time and it, it will continue forever. That's, that's what eternal means. Uh, and, and so the purpose of God, the vision of God, we we, we read right from the early pages of our Bibles. As a good evangelical, um, I thought that the Bible began in Genesis chapter 3, where we see sin entered the world and, you know, the fall happened. And, and the first couple of chapters, really, have, you know, they're, they're a nice preamble, but really the story begins in Genesis 3, and then the, the rest of the Old Testament has not a lot of meaning. Then we jump to Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, and suddenly it all makes sense because Jesus came to put right what was put wrong in Genesis chapter 3. When, when the fall, he came to save us from our sin. That was it. And so really the, the purpose of our lives was to see people saved so they go to heaven when they die. That's what I thought. But when I began to read the Bible with fresh eyes, I see actually God's purpose is much greater and wider and broader than that. So he, it begins in Genesis chapter 1 where God creates heaven and earth. And then he makes human, humankind and says to them, we'll make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they can rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the earth, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Here was, if you like, the very first Great Commission. The Great Commission wasn't Matthew 28. That was the second one. The first Great Commission was this, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, 
multiply, bring life to this creation that is there. You know, Eden was not perfect. Shock horror. Because there were things, things to subdue, things to take, un, take, take control over. So it, it wasn't perfect. It was the, the creation that God is going to put human beings in here to, to help this creation flourish. So here, if you like, was the, the vision of God, the purpose of God, the God dwelling with his people, seeing creation thriving, seeing community flourishing, seeing justice prevailing, where sin was no longer triumphing but being subdued by human beings, where there was no more sickness, death, or pain. This was the purpose of God, the vision of heaven. And so we do then read in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve made wrong choices, like we do all the time. Israel, who God then raised up to be his, his messenger and his vehicle and his people, they, they failed as well. And so Adam failed, and Israel failed, and Jesus then comes along, we read, as the second Adam, and as the true Israel. To actually say only he could do what God had intended. To see creation flourishing and community thriving. Only he, by, by restoring us to right relationship with God, by dealing with the sin issue, but not that, so that when we die, we go to heaven, so that we could begin to or continue to fulfill the original Great Commission. Yes. So in Revelation 21, we see the end of the story. What happens? Heaven comes to earth. God dwells with his people. Yes. Creation is flourishing. Community is thriving. No more sin, de sin death, sickness, or pain. Yes. It's, it's the way it was meant to be in the first place. So our calling as God's people is his intent was that now, through the church, this should happen. That God's manifold wisdom is put on display. We, can, we are the people through whom God wants to do that. Now, that, that's our purpose. That's your purpose. That's my purpose. Um, so often we get locked into waiting for something else to happen in order for us to do that. And, and you know, often we, I've been praying for a revival and will continue to, but I'm not waiting for a revival in order to do what God's called me to do. Yeah. If that comes along, great, that'll spur us on and accelerate the work. But actually, each one of us today is called yeah. to be outworking this purpose through the church. Creation thrives, community flourishes, justice prevails, sin is no longer triumphing but subdued sickness death and pain are being wiped out through the church so when we think of the church i mean i, I drove here this morning and drove past a whole bunch of them so if if that's what we think of so through those buildings god's eternal purpose is, is going to be accomplished which means basically what you do is got to fill the buildings make them make them as, as attractive as possible and that's how God's purpose will be accomplished. I don't think so. See, the word that Paul uses here for the word church is the word ekklesia. It's a Greek word. Now, the first time that we read this word in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 1, where Jesus says to Peter, 
after his confession of him being the Messiah, I'm going to build my church on you or, or, or on, this, on this statement of fact that Christ is Lord. Okay? He's the word ecclesia. Now, he doesn't use the, the traditional word, the Greek word for a religious community was the word synagogue. So people understood the word synagogue. Synagogue we use today is a Jewish congregation, isn't it? That, that's how it, but back in that day, it was any community or gathering of religious people. It was, called, it was the word synagogue, or the Greek word is synagogue. So Jesus didn't say, upon my religious gathering, my re religious community, that meet in your buildings with spires and towers and whatever. He used the word ecclesia. Now, the word ecclesia, at the time that Matthew was writing, at the time Paul was writing, was a secular word. It meant the, the local town council. It was the people who had been elected, who had been set apart, called together to make decisions for the benefit of the city. Ecclesia. It was a secular term, not a religious term. This body of people had the final control over fiscal policy, over legal matters. They would appoint magistrates in the city to take control of the city. It was ecclesia. They had authority and the power to make decisions for the good of the people in that city, which most council members do. There are a few rogues, but most people I have found who, who enter that sort of realm are good people who want to serve their community. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my ecclesia. I'm going to build my community of people who have authority and power to do good for their cities and their towns and their villages. You see, Jesus came to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. He said that the kingdom has come among you. God's way of working, God's rule, a new way of being, new rules to live by. This rule and this influence of heaven would be outworked through this gathering of women and men, Jew and non-Jew, people from different classes of society, different races and eth ethnic backgrounds, exercising their authority as God's ecclesia for the good of the community. So to be church is a really high calling. To be part of this ecclesia is a really important thing that we're called to do. And we must not settle for anything less. We are called out, we're called together to exercise this authority, this heavenly authority to serve our communities. God's intent was that his eternal purpose would be worked out through ecclesia, through the church. Now, there's two elements to ecclesia. The first is our, our gathered element, and the second is our scattered element. So it's important that we, that, that, that we gather uh, because, number one, there's an element of the presence of God that we only experience together. Where Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I'm with you in the midst. Yeah. Now, listen, yeah. the Holy Spirit is with me all the time. Yeah. 
He's in, he's in me. So, so wherever I go, Holy Spirit goes. But there's something about his presence in our togetherness that I don't experience. So we gather because of his presence among us. He lives in his temple. We are, this, my, my body is the temple, but this is the temple as well. The, the, the of living stones joined together where God lives by his presence. So something about our togetherness where we experience God's presence, we don't on our, just on our own. The second thing is that why, why gather? Only together can love be expressed. Because I'm a lovely person on my own. You know, when I first got married, you guys will come to understand this, I thought I was perfect <laughs> until I got married and then I realized how imperfect I actually was. I used to think my wife was the imperfect one and then I realized it's all me. When you're in community, all that stuff comes out. When we're together, all that stuff comes out. And what's, what happens these days, I, I find in churches, is that we, we come together, we have a little bit of a falling out, and then we leave. That's not the way we, we mature. Amen. We, we stick with it, yes. we stick together, we work it through. Yes. And so in community, we, we learn to love. Yes. You know, that is the goal of our lives. So Jesus said two, two great commandments. Number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor. So the goal of our whole lives is to learn to love. So I said to my kids growing up, I said, guys, the most important thing is to learn to love. To learn to love. To learn to love. That's what life's about. That, that's it. Learning to love. Not like being successful, not earning little money. Not, it's learning to love. That's the goal of our lives. So we do that in community. We can't do it on our own. And then the third thing about why I gather is there is an authority we carry together that we don't carry on our own. You know, when we agree, something happens, something shifts. And so it's important that we, we come together, we gather, we, we lay hold of God, we pray, we exercise authority as ecclesia, together, gathered, in order to see God's will done, His purposes fulfilled in our towns, in our cities, and our villages. Yes. So it's, it's, it's important that we gather. But there is this scattered element as well that I just want to just touch on. There's a guy called Alan Scott who now leads a, a church over in uh, Orange County, uh, called the, it's called now called The Dwelling Place, but he wrote a book called Scattered Servants. And there's a great, great understanding of, of ecclesia as, as God's people scattered out into, into the wider society and uh, community. And uh, another guy called Ed Silvosa has written a book called Ecclesia, where he, he helps us understand how we operate as people who are scattered into our communities, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, because you and I have a unique circle of influence that no one else has. Yes. And it's in that place that God has scattered us, sent us yes. as ecclesia. Yes. We are God's called out, set apart to, 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 to serve that circle of influence. Some of us have a small circle, others have a large circle. But whatever, it's unique. It's, it's who we're called to be. So in, in, in Luke chapter 10, 
in Ed Silvoise's book, he talks about how we therefore should be. So let me just read these verses from uh, Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals or do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house first, say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there's some, 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 some guidelines for us as ecclesia scattered into our communities. Number one, pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Pray with expectation. You know, prayer is not just like a list. Oh God, I need this, I need that, I need the other. Prayer is a, a relationship where we come into the presence of God and we, and we pause and, and we listen, and we speak, and we respond, and we listen some more. So we, we pray. It's amazing what happens when we start to pray, when we just take that time to listen to the voice of God. I can remember 15 years ago, maybe it was, I was praying for our city, and, um, and I just felt the Spirit whisper into my heart, I've called you to be a father in the city, not just the church. It's quite a revelation for me. So that means that the, the people in the city I have a responsibility for as, as a father to them, and, and particularly for, for the children. And so in, in the area where we, where we uh, gather, it's, it's a quite, quite a deprived area, and there was a need for a new school. So I just thought, maybe we should start a new school for these kids because there's lack of school places. And so that began to be our sort of prayer. Lord, maybe this is what you want us to do. So we pray. Secondly, we bless. When you enter a house, first say, peace on this house. Now, again, I was brought up, you know, uh, preach repentance. People need to be saved. They're going to hell. You know, don't bless them. If you bless them, it's a bit like wallpapering the, the prodigal's pigsty. Honestly, as I was told. But he says here, speak peace. Be, bless people. You know, the promise of Abraham to Abraham was this, to, to Israel. Through you and your descendants, I'm going to bless every nation on the face of the earth. So this idea of we're called to bless, to be a blessing... You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. So we have to look for opportunities, as you are doing with your coats and your backpacks, and to bless people. Because that demonstrates the, the goodness and the generosity of God. Why are you guys doing this? Because God's like this. God is generous. And if it were generous. So we... We want to bless. And so for us in our situation, I thought, okay, let's start a new school. So in the UK, you can do that. You know, you can apply to the government, get the funding and start a school. And so we said, let's start a school for these kids. And we, we you know, we just, we, we had to do loads of form filling and you can imagine the process. But we, you know, we, we, we went about, this was our plan to bless our community was to start a school. So the third thing is this, like Jesus, we befriend 
So stay there, eat and drink whatever they give to you. Now, that's difficult when you come to the States. <laughs> Listen, I can go to Africa or Asia, and that isn't a problem. When I come to the States, it's like, man, you guys, your portions are just like so big. Um, so I've got to be, be very careful. I actually had a little dinner yesterday when I went out for dinner, rather than a, than a normal size one. But eat and drink whatever they give to you. Jesus, we read, was a friend of sinners. That means he really was their friend. He really was their friend. He, it, he, he, he wasn't just like an, an acquaintance. He, he was their friend. He got invited to their weddings and to their parties. He, he got alongside. He befriended people. I remember growing up, a verse that was used often was, come out from among them, be separate. Like, uh, what, like Jesus, you mean? That's who I'm following. He, and he says, be with people. So, so to start a new school, we can't just impose it on someone. We have to get into the community and, and ask them, do you want one? Do you feel you need one? We don't want to do things to you, but do things with you. So we began to do surveys and community engagement, and, 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 and they said, yeah, we, we need, a, we need a, a new school. So we, we pray, we bless, we befriend, and fourthly, we minister. We serve. That's what minister means, is, is to serve. Heal the sick, Jesus said. You know, we, through our, our acts of love and compassion and supernatural miracles, I think both go together. You know, some people are it's just into supernatural and miracles and others are into just serving, but both go to, it's important we do both. Yeah. That, we, we, that we serve with compassion and, and, and we, we look for that divine breakthrough. And in our process of trying to start the school, we had to do both. We had to serve the community and we had to believe God for supernatural breakthrough where we had hurdles that we had to overcome through prayer. Obstacles. Because to set up a Christian school in a community funded by the government is like, it's not very common. But we had to press through and there's a lot of opposition that comes through the p politics and through uh, atheists and whatever else. But we, 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 we saw God turn things over and turn things around. So, so we, 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 we act, yeah. you know, we, we, we bless, we, we befriend, we, we act, we, we see God break through. And then fifthly, we proclaim. And we say, listen, what your experience is this, it's God's kingdom. It's the rule of heaven touching earth. There's a great scripture in um, Zechariah chapter 8 in the message version. It says, uh, Jerusalem, or if you like the symbol of heaven, uh, will be a, a great place to grow up and a great place to grow old. It'll be a safe place. It'll be a secure place. And when heaven comes, that's what it feels like. That's in, a, in, our, in our school now, we have 100. 90 children, all from unchurched backgrounds. And it's, it's, a, it's a safe place. It's a secure place. You know, we work with many kids who have got special, special needs, but we're seeking to love and care for them as we proclaim, this is, this is what heaven looks like. You know, we're able to talk about Jesus openly. In fact, we were, we were inspected by the government to make sure we're being Christian enough because they say you're a Christian designated school, they say, prove it to us. Where's the symbols on the walls? Where's the stories you're telling the children? Where's the prayer spaces for the kids to, to go and pray to God? Well, like, oh, okay, we need to get ourselves organized here. Every, every week we have a, have a vow you take from the Sermon on the Mount. 
to say this this is what it means to be a, be a follower of of jesus we have we have we have kids from other faith backgrounds that want to come to our school because of the values that are being taught incredible we proclaim the kingdom of heaven is here so so if you like we're all ecclesia bit of a mouthful i know um there are some churches called ecclesia church i think i've come across them but we are all not just gathered, not, not, not just gathered, but scattered. You in your unique circle of influence to pray for your communities, to, to bless your communities, have that stance. How can I bless these people? It's amazing what doors open up when that becomes your attitude. When you become like a Bible basher, do you have that expression? Yeah. You know, people will run away, will run a mile from you. When you start blessing people, they'll come close to you. We, we, we befriend, we, we build community with these people. We, we serve and, and, and act and minister and offer to pray where necessary and then tell them this is, what, this is who we're talking about. Introducing the Jesus. I, I thought for years we did it the other way around, you know, we, we started at number five and worked our way backwards. No, 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 we, we need to start at number one and work our way forwards to win people. So we're all called ecclesia, gathered and scattered. His intent was that now through his ecclesia, through each one of us, the purposes of God are fulfilled. Creation, flourishing, Community is thriving. Sin is being subdued. Goodness is emerging. God is dwelling with his people. Sickness, pain, death, and sorrow is being reduced. That's the eternal purpose of God that will be culminated in the return of Christ. But we work towards that goal. That's our future vision and our future hope. And if you like, that's my life message that's why i do what i do to see ecclesia like yourselves in michigan and, and arkansas and colombo in sri lanka and nairobi in kenya and freetown in sierra leone wherever it is that we're seeing the community of god's people rising up where the life and the joy and the and the evidence of the spirit of god is in god's people not somber long faces but happy, vibrant, non-religious individuals and communities that are demonstrating how great it is to know God and what good news it is to come into relationship with Him. Amen? So let me pray for you guys as you continue to serve God in this, in this region across uh, Hesperia and Mears and Heart and Silver Lake and Uddington and Big Rapids and Fremont and I know the place like the back of my hand. You're just here. You're just here. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you've done by your spirit uh, by raising up this body of people here in Hesperia. And I thank you, Lord, for the for the way that you're enlarging them and spreading the, the, tents, the tent pegs and the, the cords across this region. And I pray that you'd increasingly do that, Lord, and across all of this 
this, these counties that are represented here, Lord, that we would see little pockets of your life springing up, Lord, to give wisdom to the leadership as they work out how that looks and how to structure that and organize it. But I thank you, Lord, that you are at work um, in, in subtle and often hidden and quiet ways. But I thank you that you are always at work. You know, Jesus said, my father is always at work. Just when we are asleep, he's still at work. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, just for an increase of your anointing upon these people. As I said right at the beginning, you know, unless your spirit comes, Lord, it's going to be hard work for us. And so I pray, let the increase of your spirit flow into each heart, each life. Pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all.